back, I'm back, I'm back. I'm back, back, back in black, back in black. Episode three six thirty six. I mean, I don't even. Do I need to count? I don't know. I, I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I need to have order. I need to know where I'm at. Thirty six episodes so far. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I missed, I missed this. I know I'm already like 10 weeks back into doing this, but I've missed it. And again, excuse me, as I'm burping into your ear. Um, I can't wait to launch the other podcast come this fall. Uh, this one is going to stay music and supernatural and just craziness. And then that one's going to be called the rock and podcast, uh, that will focus on the mental and health aspect of things that I really dig and I want to really just specialize that over there. But this is where the music's going to happen and the, and the off the wall shit like flat earth day from a few weeks ago and have my buddy Pete Leonard back on and talk UFOs and supernatural shit. So, but this week we have another musician. Um, we have never met formally in person. I've seen her perform once. She didn't even know that uh, I watched her. Um, her name's Jasmine Kane. She is a Nashville based Badass musician, originally from Sturgis, South Dakota. Yeah, Sturgis, where the bike rallies are. Like, here's the thing. When the bike rally happens up there, there's a ton of people. The rest of the year, there's pretty much nothing. If you've ever been to either North Dakota or South Dakota, it's pretty bland. It's pretty laid back. There ain't much going on up there, you know? Um, And she became, as I became a fan of her, I don't know, probably 15 years ago or so, I had a good buddy of mine, uh, his name is Chad Lee, he's a photographer, and he was shooting pictures of her and posting and talking about her when he moved to Nashville, and they kind of connected at the same time. She has been playing, her band has been like the biker rally band for a long time. She plays a lot of those events, plays Sturgis, plays, uh, you know, up until COVID, was just, you know, that's what she did all year round. And she's also a solo artist, uh, recording artist, original music cover music uh she's she's a road dog she's a road dog she's a seasoned musician and you know how much i love talking to them because we all have very fucking interesting stories uh and then we connected on twitch during the pandemic we've become friends and i just want to get into this so everybody please welcome the badass jasmine king hello what up hey what's up none it's muggy up here today i don't know about down there is it muggy down there oh that's terrible it's the south man nashville is always muggy i live right next to the lake so it's kind of even more humid yeah like i mean here's the thing you know i mean in syracuse it's either snowing and then people don't realize that like it gets tremendously muggy up here you know, because we're, you guys, but you have the great, the lakes all right there, yeah, right? The we Finger the, Lakes. Yeah. So. We, have the, we have the Finger Lakes. We have the Great Lakes. And then we are basically in this area on a swamp. This area is mostly oh, swamp. You know, like, <laughs> so, you know, they just, they built malls and, and, and housing tracks and everything else on friggin' swamps. So, wow. So yeah, it gets, awesome. mu- it gets muggy and, and all that shit. But I did a little intro to the intro. I usually record as soon as the phone starts ringing so you know we get in awesome. we just get right into it and i just i basically how i prefaced it is that i became aware of you be through my friend chad lee who is for tag uh you know took photos of you i don't know i want to say 15 years ago at this point it seems like a lot 
a long. It was a long time ago. I don't, I don't know. I don't exactly remember what year it was, but it was, you know, probably about 2009, somewhere around then. Yeah, it seems it seems a while, and that was like how. And him and I used to talk a lot, and then he, you know, I'm like, who's this? You know, shooting, and then he shot me down the rabbit hole, and I've been like, you know, always observing what. What you did, because and, um, musicians always fascinate me, especially the ones that are just, you know, road dogs and ones that just working musicians, working right, musicians, right. you know, because yeah. I've had a bunch of us on here. Then we just said, man, we're working musicians. We make up majority of the, the business, you know, not a hundred percent. I mean, we're out there doing it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I said that your your band and your project and everything basically became like like you played every biker event, biker rally around, you know, it's, how did you get, how did you get into that? Other than being from like Sturgis, South Dakota. Right? <laughs> exactly. So when you grow up in Sturgis, South Dakota, which I grew up on a cattle ranch outside of there, so I wasn't right in Sturgis, but um, being from that area, that's the biggest event of the year. And of course, every band in the area is like vying to become that local band that gets to play at the, at the, the places around there. And they usually don't hire local bands. They bring in national acts from all over and, you know, all the local bands that have been there in the area, you know, holding it down all year long, just kind of get pushed to the side and, you know, don't really get a chance to play those events. So, uh, the one thing I had going for me was I was very young so I started doing the motorcycle events very early. I was in a band uh, playing bars before I was of age because in South Dakota, you don't have to be um, 21 to perform music in a bar. You just can't be Drinking. around alcohol. Right. Exactly. But you can still do it. So, you know, for many years, I started in, at six years old in bars. And so I was very young when I started doing uh, all these other events. And I, it just kind of made it like... Um, I don't know, like a gimmick, you know what I mean? You're just this young kid up there doing it and playing guitar, playing bass, playing whatever. And, um, you know, it was cool. So I got a lot of gigs just because it was like novelty, yeah. you know? And and I started doing it. But, you know, obviously I worked really hard at my craft and I tried to be the best that I, you know, in the area. And our band was like one of the number one bands in the area, which was was great. But I knew that I had kind of outgrown you know, what the area could do for yeah, me other like, than right, that right. one place. Yeah. Because I, like I tell people, we played Sturgis in 2002 and we played the full throttle and mm -hmm. it was the first time that we had ever, you know, I'd ever been in that area. And I'm like, man, it, other so than, I probably other than saw you. yeah, we played, we played on, we were like the night before the, everything started. You know, so, okay. and, and we, we played the full throttle. They put us up in some house. We stayed for the weekend because the next night Joan Jett played, you know, so I opened for Joan Jett all right, so that we, year. So, we, uh, I definitely saw you. I was, we were backstage. Dude, we, we crossed past and didn't even freaking know. Yeah. We were there all week. I know. That's crazy. I'm, I actually did all the band bookings for full throttle saloon <laughs> back in that year. The guy, um, the, the owner and I were dating at the time and, um, that place opened in 2000. Uh, and we, so I've been there since the year it opened and we were the house band. Yeah. You played, on, so was, you probably was, played on the inside where the inside bar was, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I was. And so I was there, uh, basically every day playing several shows, you know, during the week. And then of course, handling all the, the bands on the stage as well on the main stage. So yeah, we, we definitely met. We just didn't. Yeah. Fucking know. <laughs> 
Isn't it crazy? I know. This business is Isn't so crazy. Because I, I know, I've, I've I know. Had, I've had those experiences, and then we get talking. I'm like, wait a minute, you were like, yeah, and we hung out, and and like we we just didn't realize. I mean, you I mean, you don't know in the midst of that case, especially during Sturgis, because like you know, getting back to it, it's like other than what goes on for that you know like week, week and a half, two weeks period in August. Man, there ain't right. fucking nothing up there, man. There's nothing right. going on. So it's like at some point you had to be like, I gotta go somewhere else. I gotta <laughs> go. go. Well, and that's what I was doing in the, in 2003 was actually the year I moved. So right after I saw you, I was like, I got to get out of here because I can't do anything more than what I'm doing here. And that's yeah. it. So I was going to move to Los Angeles. I had this big plan to move to Los Angeles. And actually, Michael Ballard from Full Throttle Saloon uh, convinced me to move to Tennessee instead, which is how I ended up here. So I moved to West Tennessee first and I and got started there. Uh, my first writing partner and, uh, and guitarist was someone that Michael introduced me to, and his name was uh, Michael Reeves, and he was the guitarist for Full Devil Jacket. Do you remember Full Devil Jacket? do because I know Jonathan Montoya who was in Full Devil Jacket who then became in Saliva and then I became right. buddies with John because we toured with Saliva and we became close buddies so yeah small right world. yeah of course. it is a small world <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so um so I met most of the guys from Full from um Full Devil Jacket through Mike Reeves including Jonathan Montoya yeah and then ultimately Kevin Bebout who was the basis from Full Devil Jacket, and who I ended up marrying last year. <laughs> oh wait, so, so Kevin was. In, I, I, now I'm just putting two and two together. So Kevin, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, what a! It, it's getting. This is getting weirder by the minute here. <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> it all makes uh, sense. So, I was trying to. Yeah, put my, was, all right. yeah. So that's yeah, how. You, that's how you ended up down there. What? Aren't you glad? You're. I mean, obviously, the way your life has worked out, it's so like. You know, aren't you glad you went there instead of L.A., you know? Yes, I actually am really glad. I mean, it was a total mistake with how I got here. But then after I just decided that I was going to lay down my roots here and I was going to make it work, uh, I couldn't have picked a better place. And it was so ahead of its time because, you know, now L.A. is all moving here and this is becoming the new L.A. So it's kind of cool. I've got a jump start on it. and I already know so many people here and I'm so connected here and, and everyone from LA that I knew, you know, and would have been working with there is now relocating. So yeah. it's, it's awesome. Well, Nashville started becoming that way. You know that even before, I mean, shortly after you got there is when that trend was like, it wasn't just a country town anymore. It started exactly. becoming more and more. And now like, do you feel that though it's like almost an annoying that how many people are moving there though? Or do you, or, or do you, or do you, yeah, I'm, or do you think it's a good thing? I mean, is, I mean, it's got to be good. No, it, right? there's pros and cons to both. Yeah, so you're getting a lot more musicians and a lot more friends from, like I said, from LA and everywhere else, really Atlanta, um, that are coming up and moving here, which is great because you have so many more people to work with and do projects with. It's super cool. But on the flip side of that, yeah, housing market is like shot through the roof. If I wouldn't have bought this house that I've rented for 15 years since I since I've set foot ground here in Nashville. 
Um, the first place I went to, I rented and uh, I've rented it for 15 years until I finally bought it. If I wouldn't have bought it three years ago, I couldn't afford to live here. And that's the truth. That's crazy. It's, um, it's so crazy. Everything is so expensive. Property taxes doubled this year. Uh, everything is outrageously expensive now. And in fact, during COVID, a lot of the people that moved here ended up moving to other locations because you just cannot afford to live here if you're not working like a lot. Yeah. So, you know, well, that, when the, everything that, was shut down, the they just had to go. Yeah. But I mean, Nashville is pretty much it's, is it, is it back like full capacity? I mean, it's back to like Nashville before. Yeah. That's what. Oh yeah. Everything's back up and rolling. So, and, and and it, you know, it never really stopped. Uh, It just was kind of limited, but it never really shut down, shut down. There are a couple of, uh, like when it first started, there was a couple of weeks where they just shut everything down and just said, everyone has to be closed. And of course there was a few bar owners downtown that just refused to (laughs) um, conform to that. They're like, well, you know, find me because I'm better off to stay open and get a fine than I am to close down completely because then I lose everything, you know, all your employees. Yeah. There was a few businesses up here that said, listen, um, I'm going to make more money. I'll pay the fine, but it's easier for me to pay the fine than to be closed. You know, I'll exactly. Just make, I'll make the money and keep my people working. I'll take a cut. Exactly. You know, I'll just. And some people were, they got a lot of backlash from that because, you know, people are like, well, you're putting them in danger. You know, their employees are in danger, but you know, they were keeping them employed too. So, you know, they're, they're at least getting paid because, you know, they run the risk of, like I said before, you can't afford to live here if you don't work and make some money. No. And those stimulus checks were not even a fraction of what you needed. No. And although, although, you know, they did give you some leeway on rent for a certain period of time, that's just, you know, deferment. You still have to pay that right. when it's, when everything opens up right. with interest now, you know, so right. it's they, like, they didn't be like, yeah, well, we're just going to forget those payments. No, they just, it's, it's yeah, for sure. Pay it, but yeah, I mean, at least that's coming back. And I know that you're starting to like get back into the swing of what your normal summers would be, yeah. you know, so. but you know, I was, I was actually really kind of glad that I was shut down for a while because if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have joined Twitch and I wouldn't have found you on Twitch. You were one of the first people I came across because I was trying to, you know, find channels of people that did stuff that was similar to what I was doing. And I found your channel right away and you have just like had massive success on Twitch. It is so great to see. It's it's crazy. Like I'm literally sitting here trying to like, I got people like, Hey, you know, can you give us like one date this summer or like something? And like, I'm looking at my calendar and it's like between my biggest thing is like, I got to make up, you know, 2020s events and weddings that I did. So they're all happening. So, uh, and then I'm just like, man, I know I can like, I've, I've invested so much time and I'm doing so well on Twitch. Like no offense, but like, I, I, I'd rather stay home. I'm doing, I can't can't abandon this, you know, this platform, you know? So it's really weird to me after playing 300 shows a year for, you know, the better part of 10 and 15 years and even longer than that, not as many shows, but like, you know, just always taking everything that I can get and booking up everything that I can get. And now all of a sudden being in a position where I'm pretty much saying no to almost 90% of the stuff that's coming to me. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. I I, I thought about that the whole time we were doing Twitch. I was like, you know, if you work really hard on this and you build this, like this could be your new, and you know, touring is hard on your body. It is. It's hard on everything. It's hard on, it's so it's hard to stay healthy. It's hard to, it's hard to stay, you know, focused on what you're doing. You get really burned out. And, um, you know, we've done it for so many years that it's just, you know, 
you've got to start looking for, I'll, I call it an exit strategy. You know, yeah. you can't tour like forever. You know, I've still got several years left in me. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but, but at but the same also, time, like. But you're also looking at, you're, we're looking at our contemporaries. We're looking, looking at our peers. We're looking at the people that we looked up to all these years, <laughs> whether they're bigger rock stars or the people that we just seen working. They're maybe five, six years older than us. And you see like what? like exponentially what happens after a certain age, like what happens to your body yeah. if you keep doing this to yourself or you it, not even to the, keep touring, but what you, the lifestyle that comes along with, it. I think that's the hardest thing is like, you got to, that is the hardest thing. You got to detach yourself from that lifestyle because if you don't, then you're going to be in fucking trouble. Oh yeah. And I dip and dive in that, you know, like it's, it's kind of like sometimes I go through sec- like sections of it where I'm just like, you know, drinking really hard and like you're doing all this stuff. And then you just gotta like one day you just wake up and you go, man, I got to reel this back or I'm in big trouble. Like there's no way I can continue at this rate. And then you dive it back and you just kind of go, uh, I'm taking a month off of drinking. I'm not yeah. drinking any, you know, no, none at all. And of course your fans like show up with like yeah. 10 shots. They're like, come on, we're doing this. I'm like, I'm not. And I made, I make people mad sometimes. Like they, they show up and they really, they've been waiting all year to just, have a shot with you and then you get there and you're like yeah i'm not drinking this month right. like oh, i, I so did that at you i did that i woke up this was in 2009 yeah and i woke up on november 1st after a, just a, a a bender of halloween i played a show and i went out all night and i woke up and i'm like yeah i remember waking up at my friend's house for an after party and i just looked at her and i'm just like she's like what i'm like yeah i'm kind of done she's like done what i'm like i'm done drinking she goes for how long i'm like I don't know, but I can't, I'm just done. (laughs) And I didn't drink for 18 months. I didn't, I didn't have a sip of alcohol because I got to a point where I was just like, all right, I gotta, I gotta figure this out because if I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to be in a real rough spot. Um, Right. So, but the hardest thing was, is for that first, it was about a six month transition period where everyone was coming out. And every night, you know, like, hey, here's a shot of Jameson. Here's a beer. Here's all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, I'm not. Oh, I know. Tonight. And I, I, w- I was coming up with every excuse. I'm on penicillin. You know, I'm on I'm on antibiotics. I'm, I got to get up in the morning. I got something to do with my mind. Ooh, that's a good one. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. So that's I, a good I, one. Came up with a, I came up with a ton of them. Or I would take them if they wouldn't refuse. And I would just stash them underneath my piano. Mm-hmm. And then when I would yep. see a buddy of mine, I'd be like, here, man, just, you know, and I'd pass them off right. at the end of the night. And eventually... I didn't like make some grand announcements because this was like, I think even before this was like in the early stages of Facebook, I didn't want to make a big thing thing out of it. Exactly. And that's what I see everybody else does is like, they make a big thing out of it. I don't want to do that because ultimately it puts pressure on you. Well, not only that, but you know, your job at all these events is to what sell booze, right? Otherwise, you know, so you're, you're, you're there to promote a party, right. but to promote a party without being the party is really hard to juggle. Right. So, I mean, when I first came across uh, you in, you know, 2002 and you were there, I didn't drink at all for 10 straight years, did not drink. And, uh, and I felt great. I was in great shape and, you know, felt awesome. And, um, you know, as time went on, like I just, I got back into it because I realized that. I didn't really have, a, I was worried about having a problem with it. Like maybe I'm, maybe I have an actual addiction. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I had to like, I was like, can I, can I have just one drink? Am I okay with that? Or do I have to have more, you know? And you know, it wasn't until much later that I, in just in the last couple of years, I spoke to my dad. Now my dad's a cattle rancher in South Dakota. I've seen him drink a beer maybe twice in my life. Right. And you know, and I, and I asked my dad, I was like, you know, do you, did you ever like drink, drink? And he goes, 
yeah, he said, I used to have a really bad problem with it. I used to drink, I wanted like one beer or I wanted all the beers. Uh, so the reason I only see him have one beer was because that was his stopping point. He knew it. Yeah. And I only saw him do that. Like every like blue moon, you know, he would have one beer and that was it. And I was like, you know what? I'm pretty much the same way. If I get to beer number two, then I want three or four yeah. shots and all this. Like you just keep snowballing and it gets yeah. out of control. I, I mean, when I, when I stepped away, it was more or less, I had to figure out, I'm like, do I physically have a problem Am I, and like, am I uh, uh, an alcoholic in a true sense of the word, or was I a product of my environment? Right. And I realized I was more of a product of my environment. And when I did come yep. back to being able to drink, it's such a different, I have just such, such, such a different mindset now to it that I don't, but sure. I mean, when, when I do turn it on most of the time, in like 99% of the time, if I do turn it on and I want to go out drinking, it's not when I'm not when I'm playing. It's like my time off, just like what everyone else. Exactly. Should. I mean, we're, yep. we're, we're in a position where our job, again, as you go back, like, here's the thing. We can be the most talented musician in the world, the best singer in the world ever. But in our profession, our job is to sell booze and alcohol and food. Yep. You know, we, I wish, yeah, we're, the more we can sell. And if you sell all the booze and alcohol and food, you'll get booked all the time, whether you suck or oh, not. Oh yeah. You've proved your worth, you know? Right. So that's it. it, it their ROI for, for booking you is worth it. And even uh, this weekend was a perfect example as they were clearing off the tables of the people that were there to see us and just cans upon cans of sacks of, you know, drinks and bottles with everything everywhere. And the guy that was cleaning up afterwards, I mean, they looked like they got their ass kicked. They were, they were serving booze like as fast as they could. And when he was cleaning up, he goes, God, I'll get another trash bag. I just keep filling these things up. I can't believe it. He goes, he looked at me and he stopped and he just said, Jesus, he's like, your, your crowd drinks. Perfect. <laughs> like, yeah, they do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the, you're doing, you're doing your job, you know? So, but right. yeah, but with that, it's like, okay, you have to, to, to know that. But at some point I think my fans just started subconsciously realizing that I wasn't drinking anymore. And some yeah. of them were like, Hey man, are you, do you not drink anymore? I'm like, well, yeah. And they're like, well, are you okay? You know? And then they got concerned. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just taking a break. And they're like, for how long? I'm like, I don't know. It could be forever. I could be till tomorrow. It could be five hours from now. I don't know. Right. I'm just going yeah. with the flow for now. And then, you know, when people would come up and they want to buy me a drink, I would be, I would be like, yeah, just give me a drink chip, you know, like you buy me a drink at the bar, leave it at the bar. And either it would just, I would accumulate and like, I would get a drink chip. Like I have a freezer bag full of drink chips for bars around <laughs> Syracuse to this day. Like one of these days I'm like, now I was going to do it before COVID and I'll just get all my friends together. I'm like, dude, let's just get a van. I'll pile in. I literally have probably, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of drinks. <laughs> You get one hell of a bender for all your. Yeah. But here's the thing: every once in a while, I'm like, "Oh shit, that bar closed," and then there's there's five chips that go out the window. But I had people do that. One, it was a way it was a way for them to keep supporting me, keep supporting the bar. Or sometimes, right. and they're like, "Well, well, what what do we do?" I'm like, "Well, you you could always take that five dollars you're gonna buy a drink and put it in my fucking tip jar too, you know." Sure, you but know? you know, and that's awesome. But you and you know, I love that too. But I also want to make sure that the venues are getting what yes. they need, you know? So, so, and I, I do the same thing as you with the hiding them behind my yep. amp. Yep. And then I just kind of dole them out like, Hey, here's dole them out. or sometimes show. I dump them, which I mean, I feel bad, but you know, like yeah. sometimes I'll just dump it cause it got warm. No one else is going to drink it. But I mean, in my mind, it's like, Hey, the money was spent 
at the bar, and, yeah. you know, the money that like I did my job. So I'm not going to say no and animally like say no. Or I, I love this. I watched a musician once at a bar here in Syracuse and someone mm-hmm. went up to the stage and they go, Hey man, I want to buy, I want to buy the band around, you know, a, a picture and a round of shots. And, and the bass mm-hmm. player goes, Oh man, we get drinks on the house. Don't even worry about that. And it's like, you fucking, and he said that over the microphone. I'm like, dude, that was like, you did, you, you inexperienced bastard, like take the drinks. I know you get them on the house, but like, dude, they're spending money, which is how you get paid. Yeah. Yeah. That's just inexperienced. Yeah. That's inexperienced. (laughs) Like, dude, take every drink that you can get, you know, they're spending money. It's crazy. Bring them to me. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, yeah, so things are getting back to normal for you, and you're starting to already think of like an exit strategy. I mean, you're not going to exit out of the music industry. It's more never, no, no, it's a a transition. Exactly. I mean, I the touring it just beats you up though. So you have to like think about you know where you're at in your life and your body, and and you want to you know I'm I was an athlete most of my life, and now I'm like the worst shape of my life ever because my back is broken in two places. And I've got a hip that's dislocated constantly. I'm like, God, I gotta get myself together. And I've got a lot of injuries to like think about. And of course, sitting in a van for 16 hours or whatever, oh. and then getting out and lugging gear and then you know, snapping your neck back and forth while you rock out, it kind of takes its toll after a while, you know? Yeah. So, um, as, as hard as you try to stay in shape and to stay, you know, mobile and nimble and all that and all the stretches you do at the gas stations when you can, you know? It just kind of like after a while, you just think about it. You're like, what am I doing to my body? And, yeah. and uh, you know, what can I do to help it? Because I'm not one of those people that's just like, oh, well, you know, over 40, just let it go. I'm just not accepting that. Uh, and I I feel like I could still get myself back to oh, the best oh, physical condition of my life. I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. And it wasn't until, I mean, I know. I'm, I'm 47. You are and it, so it, amazing. It took, it took me about four years, but it was a four, it started at 43 and now I'm 47. It's just like, it can be, I tell everyone, I'm like, listen, everyone, okay, so that's ahead. awesome because you know, that's the thing. It's like, I'm now 43. So I was, I'm at that moment go where ahead. you were and I'm just going, this is it. It's time to make the change, you know? It's it's tough, but you see somebody's like, I mean, someone like, I watched the guys from Shinedown, like, you know, um, Brett, like he was so unhealthy for a long time. Like that, the first incarnation of that band was like hardcore drinking drugs. They were, they were bad. Oh yeah. You know? Totally. And uh, when he finally got sober, uh, you know, and then he took that, uh, you know, and, like they unload their truck every day and one of the mm-hmm. tractor trailers has got a full gym set up in it, you know? So, right. And they started, well, he took his addiction in a different direction. Yeah. You know, when, when you're a true addict, which I believe he was, oh, yeah. you know, that, that, and he makes no bones about it. He's, he had a major problem with that. And, and, uh, you have to use your addiction in a healthier way. Some people, you know, change their addiction to food. Some of them change their addiction to like, you know, religion and some people turn their addiction into, you know, physical working out and, and trying to stay healthy. So anything you can do that is like a more positive addiction is always a good thing. You know, all of us, all of us know as musicians, I mean, not to say that all of society isn't more prone to addictions and everything else. Cause we all know how, how much people struggle with everything, but like our, our group, our creative brains, like really lend itself to 
going down that road, I think, a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Well, it's constantly around you. If, yeah. if it's not in your own group, then, of course, from the people that surround it. Because that's what they came there to do, was party. They've been waiting for this moment for yeah. weeks, years, you yeah. know? Like, let's do this. Well, and just, they're so just, excited. Yeah, when I said when we were on the road with Brand New Sin, it was like, you know, you six nights a week, you have one night off, but, like, it's like every night of the week – you're like, man, I'm drinking every night of the week. How am I drinking every night of the week? Well, you're rolling into a town where people have been waiting months, year, oh, yeah. their entire life because they've been fans forever to like yeah. hang out with you. So like every night, that's their one night to unload. But you're getting, that's where, that's where the dangerous part is because then that's every night. But you're in, it's like, where do you, where do you hit the throttle button? And then you wonder why like, well, that guy didn't hang out. He's a dick. He got off stage and he just went on the bus or he went back to the whole. Yeah. Time. And it's I, like, I think people get confused by that because they're, they, they think you're just being an asshole when you vamp, when you just ghost out, you know, but, but the truth is sometimes you just gotta, you gotta step back and take a break, man. You can't yeah. do it every day. You gotta, you gotta be careful, especially as a singer, like, you know, uh, yeah. everybody else can kind of like, you know, not to say that they're not using their bodies and drummers not using their body and guitar player not using body, but when it comes to your voice, right. it's so that is more uh, delicate. That's than, a full body yeah. thing too. And it's like, yeah, you need every injury. I don't know. You have this like ability to just kind of open your mouth and <laughs> naturally sing. You know, it just kind of like rolls out. Right. Mine was a lot different. I, you know, mine is almost like inspiration based. I almost, I almost, if I'm not excited to play that night or if I'm not like looking forward to it, I have a really hard time singing. Um, I have to be energized. I have to, I have to feel inspired by something to be able to, to sing and deliver properly. Well, well when you Otherwise, have those off nights, then what, where do you find it? Is it one specific thing or do you just try to find something that day that's going to give you? Usually that? I feed, I feed off the rest of the band. So what happens is when I'm having those off nights, they usually pick up on it. We're really in tune with each other. So they usually pick up where I'm just kind of like not feeling it that night. And then they start kind of playing stuff. That's just like my, they're, they're first off mind blowingly good at what they do. Yeah. So even though you can play a straight drum beat, you know, he might choose to do something a lot more flamboyant and you're just going like, damn, where did that come from? And then you just kind of get excited about it because it's different and it got your attention because it's not what he normally plays. And you know, and then you're just like, wow. And then, you know, like give you like the little nod of approval, like, come on, let's do this. And you're like, Oh shit. All right. We're going to, we're going to let's jam. No, it doesn't have to be for the audience. Always. It can be for each other. So, um, perfectly said because it's, it's tough to find that because I mean, we know that not every gig is going to be one packed, Second of all, it's not always going to vibrate or you're just, you're going to be tired. There's so many factors that go into like what could possibly go wrong and, and, and you just not feeling it. And you're like, Oh God, what am I going to do to get through tonight? You know, and I've been through before COVID, I was getting like that a lot. I was just like showing up and, and I was performing and, and kicking ass, but like in mentally it was, I was struggling. Right. I'm just like, man, I'm, I want to get my money and just go home. Exactly. I, you know, and I was actually kind of in the same spot. Like I felt like, um, I was just, I was tired, you know, I was just worn out. And we, you know, our tour, everybody always asks me, what's the name of this tour? I'm like 2021. <laughs> right. like all, all year we never stopped touring. So it's, you know, you're just going, when you've done that for the last 15 years of your life without ever taking a break, you're just 
tired. And, you know, so I was just like, I, I needed a break and then COVID hit and honestly, everybody was, you know, freaked out. I was freaked out. I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet, but at the same token, I was so happy to sleep and I did. I slept for like days, man. I was just like, I didn't realize how tired I was until I didn't have to get up the next day. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That first month of lockdown, I was I I never slept so much in my life. I don't I don't I can't even sleep like that now. I'm like, how the hell was I sleeping like that? But that was just like yeah. it was two months of me just like I was sleeping and I'd wake up and I'd, I'd, I'd twitch. I was twitching twice, you know, doing a stream twice a day. And in between streams, I was just like, I couldn't go to gym. So I kind of did something. <laughs> and then I went and took a nap and I was like, it was kind of refreshing, but it kind of got yeah. me back to you know what it was so all right yeah. let's, so, so let's let's change gears <laughs> a second so okay. as a as a as a kid and you had you know this big dream of like obviously all of us had that dream like we're gonna sell a million records and be rock stars we're gonna freaking fill yeah. Arenas. oh like, yeah uh that was obviously the goal uh that's not where either of us ended up <laughs> but right. i could say that neither of us are like disappointed at where we ended up oh no but there, you can what, still succeed without succeeding on that level. Right, right. You're, we're still a success. So where do you think that point, I don't even know if you know, like where do you think that point was where you were more accepting that like, okay, this, this might not happen the way I thought it was going to be, but I'm going to be okay. And this is still going to be a great life. Do you remember a well, moment where that kind of happened? Cause I, I remember when it happened to me, but so I asked, these really? musicians, I asked these musicians quite a bit. Okay, well, that's interesting because, you know, for me, I don't know. I, In my mind, there's just never this, like, accepting of anything. Like, I I'm always think I'm going to do better. True. Like, I always, in my mind, I'm always just like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better than that. Um, but it is, like, it sometimes gets uh, frustrating when you see people that, especially that come to Nashville and they just, I've had some great opportunities to work with some of the most amazing producers in this town. And then, and they really want to work with you because you have the talent, the songwriting ability, the drive, you know, all the things they want. And then somebody rolls into town with, you know, a, a dad's got a million dollars and I want to do an album. And they're like, sorry, Jasmine Kane, we're going to take this <laughs> instead. You know, and I, I like, it just gets so frustrating because you're, and you watch them put out their record and, you know, they of course pay for a certain amount of, of, of time where that's their, you know, their five minutes of fame and then they just go away. And it was just like kind of a little fun thing that they got to do. And for me, this is my life. So I, yeah. it wasn't, I wasn't just looking for a fun thing to do, you know, and I've never had, I've never had that kind of money nor will I ever probably have that kind of money. But I don't think there's like a, I still haven't reached that thing where I'm like, you know, that's, the most I'm going to get, like, that's the best I'm going to do. And I don't know why that is because, uh, you know, in reality, you look at it in the age that you are and what my, like I said, exit strategy is I'm doing this and you think, well, it's probably the best it's going to get, but at the same token, I don't feel like I've done it yet. Yeah, no, I get, I get and that, I don't I get know that, why I get that feeling too, but I'm also at that point where it's like, it's okay that like that, because I had some people that I worked with that like, just haven't got over that. It didn't happen for them. Oh, know? really? Okay. You know? So I've always just been grateful for what I've got at, at the time because I didn't have anything 
most of my life. Right. So <laughs> to have any kind of success was always, right. it didn't matter how small it was. I was so grateful. Yeah. I felt like a success every time that happened. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, I never really had that. Um, I mean, I'm always still thinking that like, you know, because the way that the world works now, like, before it always felt like there were, you, you're racing against time. Oh, you're too, you're getting too old or you're like, or you know, you, oh, you missed your window because you know, they only want young people or oh like, right, right. Exactly. As a woman, it's even worse, you know, because you know, you're being objectified because of your looks sure. and everything else and, and judge that way. So, um, but man, you watch these, some of these people have these later life successes, you know, uh, whether they're like yeah. a game show or, or, you know, someone like, I think of someone like, a, like a Charles Bradley who just passed away a few years ago. And like, he didn't get well known until like the very, you know, last third of his life, you know, right. so like, well, look at, I mean, look at Gretchen Wilson. She's a perfect example. She was just a demo singer here in town and then, you know, found the right producer, which, by the way, was the one that I was supposed to be working uh, with. And boy, that went away. And, uh, yeah, and he made a star out of her. She's, you know, she was incredibly successful in her, you know, mid to late 40s. And, And that, you know, was her big moment. And then, of course, you know, by that point in her life, you've got a lot, you've realized your priorities are quite a lot different. You know, you haven't, you're not sunk yourself into all these hopes and dreams of like being this mega star out there, but you're grateful for the things that you got. You take what you got and you know, you turn it into what you've always wanted, which for her was like a horse ranch. So, you know, now she's living her best life because of her late in life success. And those are the kind of things like, you know, you look forward to, you're like, maybe that's possibility. But regardless, irregardless, I, I don't, I don't know why I think this, but I just think that like I'm gonna do something better later, and it might not even be me doing it. It might be me guiding it, True. or you know, you know, because I think that a lot of information and to to offer the right person that had that kind of drive. Like when you see someone coming up, and you see a little bit of yourself in them. Uh, you want to help them get to where they're going because you didn't have that kind of help. So, no, you know, or, or you know. the the help that you get was either misguided or right. they were, they had an agenda with you. You know, it wasn't like a very exactly. genuine type of thing. And it's exactly. like, I'm going to, I'm going to save you about 10 years of fucking mistakes. If you listen, exactly. To you know, and exactly. I've, thought, I've thought about that, like, like mentoring, but like, I know I just, I haven't really there's a, a group of, uh, there's a, two brothers who are in this area and they're called the ND brothers. It's Kenny and Tommy. And I, yeah, I know that yes. I watch their stream on Twitch. Yeah. And, and I've watched those two and like, I've like, okay, I, these, like I've watched them for a few years. I'm like, all right, they get it. I'm going to start yeah. helping them. And then I've, I've done whatever I can for them because a lot of times, you know, the problem is now is like, they don't even think about getting record deals. They just want to get big on YouTube. They want to get big on TikTok. They want to like, they want this, you know, really quick instant gratification. It's like, dude, 10,000 hours, bro. You need to put in your 10,000 hours. You need to put in your time. Like you're going to get it overnight, but you're going to have no idea how to sustain that because you don't have the knowledge. You don't have somebody behind you 
you know, someone like say me or you or somebody else with that, that has that knowledge be like, okay, cool. We've had that. How do we keep this propped up? Because that fame's going to go away, but how do we sustain it right. to keep you going? Or how do we make it bigger? Exactly. You know? Right. Right. Well, I feel like, um, you know, what I have to offer is I've always done my own bookings. I've never had a booking agent. So really? I have not, not even in the, wow, that's awesome. So I have tons of contacts, you know, and I have a way to get people out there and actually get them seen and heard, you know, in large audiences. And so that's what I've always just, and in fact, you know, um, Emily, Emily is fine on Twitch. So she was wanting to get out there and start doing her acoustic stuff. And she reached out to me about helping her, you know, put some bookings and stuff together because she's not sure like how to do that or who to contact or how to route or whatever, you know? And so, um, Contacts you know, I've had a couple of conversations. Like, yeah. Let me get sure you yeah. don't get fucked when you show up. You know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was mean, man. I had to be mean growing up. Like it was, yeah. you get there and then the promoter's just like, you know, Oh, video lottery paid out too much this week. We're not going to pay you. And I was like, that's cool. I'm going to take everything in this bar. I start taking TVs off the wall. <laughs> oh God. We, we, we had that situation so many times in brand new sin. And it was like, and partly we got taken advantage of because like one, like we weren't on the biggest label so they could fuck us and not feel like they're burning a bridge with our label. I'm like, Oh shit. We're right. not going to get those artists. Or we went, didn't have a big powered booking agent and the booking and they're like, well, fuck it. We just won't get that guy. That guy doesn't have any acts anyways. And then they just yeah. put you in a situation and then you're like, well, I had this fuck. big 24 foot trailer and I could fill that up with some stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I got room. Like what kind of guy? Yeah, I got tons of room, man. Oh. We were using this for a dressing room, but hell, I'll take everything in your bar. It's yeah. cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> for you to have that, I mean, that's why, this is why I tell people when they want to become a working musician, it's like, all right, cool. Hone your craft and become a very good musician. But I go, what's going to make you successful is becoming a businessman as well. Yeah. You know, or, you know a business person, I should say, because you're not yep. men, you know, but having that savvy, because that was one thing I paid attention to the entire time I was in Brand New Sin yep. is how the booking agents were doing their stuff, how the manager was doing stuff, how the label was doing stuff, how the marketing was doing stuff. And I constantly was on it. I go, because someday I would love to be able to do this all myself. I'm like, why are we paying all these people 10% here, right. 20% there, 15% here? And honestly, exactly. we just paid out we paid out 70% of our work to other people and we just did all the work and all these people are making the money. Like, wait a minute, right. why can't we do, why can't we do this? You know? Exactly. And, and that's, like, that's and that came down to probably rela- what kept me getting, exactly. It's probably what kept me from getting a record deal, to be honest with you, because I owned my own publishing. I own and stock and do my own merchandising. And, um, you know, we even do all, Kevin does all our designs. Like, so everything's in house and you know, everybody wants a piece of the pie and I do my own bookings. So it was like, you know, they want a piece of the pie on everything. And, and I own the whole pie. So really right, But here's, here's the thing. You've probably made more money doing it that way than if you had sold a million records with some yeah. label, with some shady motherfuckers around you, and you exactly. had some deals. I know people that have. I mean, you know them too. You know people who are oh, yeah. platinum records on their wall. I, you're like, I, I remember, make more money than you. You know. I remember having a really long conversation with Heidi Shepard from the Butcher Babies. Yeah. And you know they were having it was on their first tour out when they were with Marilyn Manson, 
And uh, I think they just released their first album. It was going really well. They were on every major festival everywhere doing big stuff and had no money. They were, they were like nothing, you know? And uh, it was crazy to me to see that, to just have like that amount of success. And they weren't getting any anything for it. Not at that point in time. I think that ch- things have changed for them at this point. Yeah. Cause they've put out several more records since then have done much larger things. But yeah, to have a management deal where you're dealing with somebody's taking this and somebody's taking that. And a lot of times you don't even know where it's going. Like yeah. they don't even disclose that information to you. And, and then suddenly you get your, check and you're like wow yeah. <laughs> that's how i feel about my ASCAP checks when they come in a dollar 22 right right but i mean so, so yeah like but someone like you and i we probably owning i mean not so much with brand new sin but everything i've released since then i own everything. Right. i own everything i own you know right. I'm, you know so i make more money on a fraction of the plays that I do with Brand New Sin because it was divvy between six people, a publishing company. Right. I got a recoup still little label that we probably owe a couple hundred thousand dollars to still. Oh my God, no kidding. So it's like because- Kevin, Kevin says the same thing because uh, his last Full Devil Jacket record, you know, they the singer didn't complete the record. He had two songs left to sing and he wouldn't do it. So uh, they lost like all this money and they still owe that record label like a ton of money. <laughs> Yeah. And I tell people, I was like, I go the record label, I go in the back in the day, I go, I don't really know how it works now because I mean, they, you sign a deal that's basically more than a 360. They literally take every, anything, Everything. but back mm-hmm. in the day, I go, say they sell a CD for 10 bucks and they're like, okay, I go, so they sell that for $10 they sell it for whatever they want to in the store, but the, the label is getting $10. Okay. Right. The label gets $9 of that. And you get $1. Okay. So say if you owe them a hundred thousand dollars, they only, you, they don't take that off the $9 that they made. They, they take that off the $1 that you made them. Right. So like they say that you're a lose. You, oh, well, you didn't make us any money. Bullshit. Like you just, you made a lot of money. Like you yeah. save you ship 20. I started doing this math. You ship 20,000 copies. That's $200,000, uh-huh. you know, and they got, $180,000 of it. And then $20,000 yep. of it was put towards your balance. So yeah, right. well, you're unrecouped for 200,000. Well, no, you made, you made, you made the 200,000. You made more than what our recording budget yeah. and our, our, you made it. You, you're in the, you're in the black. We're in the uh, Oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I, when I left South Dakota to go pursue this dream of being, in, you know, an artist on the road, someone handed me a book. It was like everything you need to know about the music business. They're like, just read this before you go. And I did. And I was like, shit. Oh Oh, man. I I pretty much know what book it is. I can't remember the guy's name. I've met the guy at a festival. He He was in, um, was he in black flag? Oh, oh yeah. Was it Henry? Uh, no, it wasn't no, Henry Rollins. No. It was the other guy that was in the band. It was, he, oh my God. It was like, he wrote that book. He was in one of those seminal punk bands. He was like either oh, Black Flag wow. or one of those. And he's I have to one go that, back and look and see who wrote it. I can't it remember. I'm pretty sure that's the same book because I read that no. book and I was like, wow, this dude just like hit. I'm, every musician should be given that fucking book because they're like. I am so grateful. I don't even remember who gave me that book, but I'm so grateful they did because I was like, Holy shit! This is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Why would anybody want to do? Yeah, like, why does anyone want to do what we're doing? You know. <laughs> right? And I was laughing so I was like, "This is ridiculous." Okay, so note to self: 
when you get there, you better have like, you know, the I's dotted and the T's crossed because if you don't, someone else owns you and you know, you just got to accept that because you're too stupid to know the difference. And so, yeah, I, I read the book. I got here. The first meeting that I had here was with an attorney, Jim Zumwalt, who's one of the most famous entertainment attorneys in the world. Um, you know, and he represents massive, like Ann Wilson, you know, like big, big artists. So I, I got a one hour kind of like freebie consultation with him. And he's like, you know, ask me, you've got one hour, ask me everything you want in an hour. So I came in with a list. I had a list of questions. How do I do this? I got to get my RIA number. I got to do this. I got to do that. How do I go about this? What's the best way to approach that? I had all these questions and he's just like smiling and answering them, but kind of like vaguely, you know, he's not really trying to answer them. And uh, an hour came and went and two hours came and went and we're still going. And he's like, I got to tell you, he's like, I was just going to come in here and blow smoke up your ass for like, you know, an hour and tell you to get on. But he's like, you've obviously done some research and you kind of know what you're doing. He's like, you're going to be successful with or without me. I mean, you obviously know what you're doing here. So So, going back to where this all started, you Mm -hmm. had where you had that moment where, okay, I'm, this is, I'm not going to become a huge rock. That was your moment right there. Like you, you didn't know it, but like you knew you had to, you were told at that point that you had the tools to be able to do this on your own. And that's what, right. that's what art. Like someone that knew. Right. And that's so. what, ma- honestly, bigger managers uh, and labels and agents now are looking for. They're looking for bands and artists that are literally people like us. They want people that are completely self-driven, uh, not right. because they just want somebody to do all the work, but they know it's going to be easier for them to work with them. Like I know exactly. we're going to be able to take you further than me trying to launch you in the old sense of the word, because we really don't have time to do that or the money, right. you know? So, but at the same token, like it's, uh, it's kind of frustrating because they never, no one works harder for you than you. Right. So when you see them just sitting there, like phoning it in, grabbing their, you know, percentage, it is like, no, screw that. You know, everybody's got to work on this or else it's not going anywhere, you know? And, and for them, and I've dealt with this here recently with, with a guy here in Nashville that's just going and finding all these young bands that are driven and they'll go work anywhere for anything and just going for it. And he's just signed them up one after another, boom, 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 taking their money and, um, and not doing anything for them. You know, if they, if they do well, he's, still owns a piece of them and if they don't then he's oh well he's still got his down payment and he's like what next yeah i mean you i know? had this conversation i don't know what if it was on a podcast not too long ago but i like literally know bands who are paying lots of money to be with with a label like i know they're like hey i'm well you can be on our label we'll sign you but you got to give us twenty five thousand dollars like whoa whoa whoa, whoa what you're going to pay yeah. this label twenty five thousand dollars. I would be, I would be buying my way onto a massive tour yeah. as a support act. That's, that's, Cause what, that's going way farther than that. I, t- I told this musician that was in this band. Cause after it kind of just like, well, they didn't really do anything for us. I'm like, they took your fucking money and they distributed. Yeah. Well, they were giving us distribution. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean nowadays? Like, where, you they, where are they? Di- you don't need. You can do that yourself. Tune core, tune all. Uh, you know, CD Distro baby, kid. Distro kit. Yeah. that gets your. 
they don't you don't need them to I put it up on too. Spotify. Like well, they're like, well, they're, I, they're not gonna where's your physical product going? Like there is no exactly. physical product that's not going into Best Buy. Like where the fuck no. are you like why are you working with them? Like you could have taken that twenty five thousand dollars, either bought onto a tour, yeah, or you could have hired you know, someone like my friend um, Munzee Ritchie, who owns skateboard marketing out of New York City, he's one of the longest uh, independent radio promoters ever. Ever, he's worked with everybody. Right. Paid him a couple thousand dollars to test, like, hey, let's throw this out to the radio market or specialty shows, or get yourself on playlist. Spend that exactly. out there. Hire a marketing company. Uh, that someone's going to get you some press and stuff like that. And you can probably spend maybe less than $5,000 with those two people just to see where it's going and keep that other 20,000 and do that. Right. It's like, man, you just, and I saw this band that I know, and they were older dudes. So like, I know they emptied their fucking savings accounts. Oh my God. On this label. But it's the same way with man- management companies are doing the same thing. I had a guy. Oh, yeah, like, totally. Somebody's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm with this management company. I'm like, all right, well, what are they doing for you? It was like, well, I got to pay them 300 bucks a month. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? You're paying them for That's what you're doing for them. What are they doing for you? They're making, and I go, okay, so how many artists do they have? Like 20 artists? I'm like, okay. And then I'm going to my head. I'm like, well, they're just, they're $6,000 a month that they're just taking in for, because they're there. Doing nothing. I don't know how they do that. Like, I mean, I I mean, I know how they do it, but I don't know how they, like personally, morally, how you can do that. I don't understand that. Those, I know those people are out there, but it's just like, how can you sit there and take all these people's money knowing full well when you do it, that you're not doing, you're not going to do anything for them. You're just yeah. going to sit back and take their money and, you know, and laugh about it. Yeah, I don't might, know how people can freaking do that. They might legit find somebody that can, they can actually make some money off of, but like they'll just sign anybody knowing that like, man, I this. This, I can't do anything with them, but I'm going to make them think that I can. And I'll, I'll sign them to like, they have to do this for a year. They're going to have to pay me $3,600 this year, you know, for right. this. And it's like, wow, man. I'm like, man, this is what a, what a snaky stand. The, the business just is snaky. Yeah, it's, it's snaky as ever. And it's just like, man, stop. Yeah. Like just spend the time learning how to do this your shit yourself. Like read books and like talk to older musicians that are willing to like, you know, oh my goodness. and stuff like that. And to, I'm just going to start passing out that book to everybody. I know, I'm like, <laughs> as soon as I get out, as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm going to look it up because he came to Syracuse to, uh, for a, like a mini music conference that we had probably about uh, eight or nine years ago. And I got to meet him cause I was speaking at it as well. And I got to mm-hmm. meet him, but I mean, it's going to come to me and it, I'm guaranteed that's probably the book that you read because it was like the, Oh seminal, my gosh. Seminal book. A lifesaver though. It yeah. sucked to read it. Cause it was like, wow, that's what, what a, you're like, I'm going back to South a- Dakota and work on the ranch, you know? <laughs> Man, ranching is way easier than this. Yeah, like, ranching is hard, but it's way easier yeah, than this. I'm not going to deal with these motherfuckers, you know? Oh, so, my God. Right, so it's I, crazy. I, I, was, I was thinking about something. I'm like, I normally go into these conversations in these podcasts with no agenda whatsoever. I'm like, I just want to see where the conversation goes. But on the right. way here, I'm like, on the way back to my house from my run in the gym this morning, I'm just like, I want to ask jasmine a question because i was like sitting up last night like coming down from like a really good twitch stream and like i was unwinding and all that stuff and i was listening to the counting crows august and everything after and And 
my brain, I'm like, wow. I always go back to that record because one, it's it's just a fucking masterpiece. But not only is yeah. it a masterpiece because it's got all the great songs, but like there's albums I like out there that the production sucks on it, but it's a great fucking record. It's still one of my favorite records. Or the sure. songs aren't all there, but there was something about the energy of the record. But like, where are these just absolutely everything's perfect about the record, the running order, of the record, the songwriting, the production, everything about it, the, the, the presentation, the videos and everything else. I'm like, there's very few records in my mind that like stick out and like the counting crows, August and everything after like, is like a benchmark. I'm like, dude, that is like, if I made that record, I might've just retired because I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do this again. You, you know, know, that's interesting. And I need to go back and listen to that record. Go back and listen that's... to that record. Cause some people are like, well, you know, I got mixed things about, it. I'm like, no, go back and listen to it as with a different mindset and listen to like, they opened the record with round here, which is like a super sound, yeah. not even a ballad. It's like, wow. They, they didn't like most albums that you want to come out like, rah, you know, yeah, they're, they're, Rock usually City. they front load, right. yeah, you, front load the shit out of them. And, and they opened with this and it's like, whoa it's like wow they open with this and it, and it doesn't even start right away you're like you hit play and you're like is there is, is it on is, is, it, is it on and then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. it slowly starts to come in but it sets this whole thing so with that and this is going to have to be off the top of your head do you have a record that comes to your mind that you think in every sense of the word is the fucking perfect record whether it's the genre that you would prefer but you can just like that's a perfect record like lincoln park's debut hybrid theory production wise and everything else it's a fucking it's flawless like it's a flaw do you do you have a record you think is fucking flawless from start to finish on Uh, every level well I'm, i'm more like you i'm like i i have records that i think are like so great but yes. the production sucks. Right. um and I was, it was like oh my god i wish they would just remaster <laughs> this and just make it fucking good because um carnival sound awake is one of the greatest records i've heard in a long time and and the production sucks right. and it's like fuck, that's terrible but um i don't know if there's one that i can think of off the top of my head that i just think is gold all the way through yeah i, mean, um, I, think I, those, I just those, i don't know i always stick out the stuff that i'm like oh we should have done that yeah two, those two records really stick out and and as much as anyone will i hate it when you bring up metallica it brings up so many emotions and people go like, oh they sold out they this and that and i'm like listen I love their early catalog, but the production mm-hmm. fucking blew, especially Justice for oh, yeah. not even a bass on it. No, I know. What bass player? <laughs> like, and we worked with the guy that mixed well, that. We we worked with the guy that mixed that record. He mixed some tracks. Same with um, Operation Mindcrime. Yeah. There was nothing. There's no bass on yeah, there. What, until, what happened? Then you get the, then you get Operation Lifetime, which is their live version. Right. And you're like, whoa, there's yeah. bass. Yeah. That's so, rad. But, but by the time Metallica got and recorded, they can say whatever they want about the black record, but one that's, that's another record. That where was, I think it's absolutely, that was false. a great record. You know, like, like the know. production value, the songs, they matured and everything like that. So you may have mm-hmm. to think about this, but like as the course of the day goes on, you have to think about that. And when I release this podcast next week, I will, I will uh, make sure that I put in there like what you, you th- it's tough. It's tough to think. Yeah. About you have no, to, it st- is. you have to start, Think about it this way. The way I find that perfect record, I go, okay, what record I think is fucking produced? Honestly. I so, and, I, and I gotta be honest, like, I I know a lot of people like to hate on Taylor Swift, but her stuff is oh, solid. God. Yeah. He- it's solid, man. Um, I would, I would honestly say that, I mean, I've listened to her last, well, since the Red album. Yes. You know, all the way through, and I'm just like, man, these are like very well crafted. The songs are chosen wisely 
and and they're well written. She's a great songwriter. Yeah, she got a lot of hate in the sound when she first came in, and like you know. And then of course she turned to pop, and they were like, oh, whatever, you know. She, just because she can't make it in country, no, she made it in country. She made it in country. Now she's gonna now, make it. Yeah, now I'm gonna make it everywhere. Now else. I'm gonna own the pop. Yeah, gonna, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no. Uh, I think her records are pretty flawless, and yeah. the, the the concept of these last two that she did what she released three oh. records during 2020 Dude, that whole record never... with in the, the couple tracks that she did with bon Ever and like yeah. the, the whole exile that that whole oh my god like i was a I fan know. before and that put that out and i'm like Pff. i'm like i don't know if anyone else is paying attention but this fucking girl is just absolutely killing just it crushing it yeah she's like and, and to create a whole concept record where it's a storyline between a you know, love triangle with three people and then oh. write the songs around it and put the album together in one cohesive I'm, I'm getting thought. I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about that. Like I'm gonna listen to that when I get off here. When I make yeah. the launch, I'm gonna put that on just because I was just like Yeah, but like think about that and and talk to him about with your husband because obviously with him coming from that engine. He's you know, rough, engine. man. He's hard to deal with in music because he's he's so hypercritical. We call him judging Kevin twenty four seven. It's because like, his ear, because he listens. I mean, you and I listen to music differently than most people, but when it comes to right. someone who's a producer and someone knows how to like engineer and get inside, like, well, dude, the, the 75 Hertz in this on the bass track there could have been done a little bit. I mean, he's listening oh, to music yeah. on such a different level that like 99.99% right. people don't. So yeah, he could probably but do when I When I get ready to listen to that, you know, Counting Crows album, he's going to walk up here and be like, really? Because he doesn't like the tone of his voice. He doesn't like the sort of he's going to be like, why are you torturing me? Why are you doing <laughs> like, this to me? But not like, always about you, Kevin. Yeah, but yeah, you got to go, you got to go back. And I always say that I'm like, man, there's just something about it. But like, pl- I'm planting that seed. Like, I'm really interested to get a, like a text from you. I'm like, this is the record. But that like, is very I'm going st- to start asking my musicians. Like, what do you think? Like, not your favorite record, not the record that you like is your favorite by your band, but like the record you honestly think is flawless. Was it the masterpiece? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Imagine making a record like that. Like, Adam was just on Joe Rogan's podcast and they were talking mm-hmm. about that like early time of their career and everything like that. And it's like, they, he knew what they had. I mean, they had a literally offer from every fucking label. Every, oh yeah. Every, every label wanted them. They're like, yeah. yeah. And he goes, and we said no to everybody because we wanted a certain deal. He's like, we all walked away from our first record deal. Their advance was only $3,000 a piece. Wow. And they signed at a time where they could have gotten like, you know, fucking millions up front. Everybody could have been fucking completely well set, but they only, they only, they knew the worth of what that record was long before it. And they signed and they took nothing up front, basically nothing. He's like, I took that $3,000. I bought this piece of shit car that I still own to this day. It was a fucking classic car. He goes, that's all I had. He goes, but that first check that came in after that record blew up was fucking gigantic. And yeah. Goes, yeah. Now you buy whatever you want. Yeah, it was such a, <laughs> it was just such a smart move, but for him to talk about that record, I would have asked him if I was Joe Rogan, I would have been like, dude, once you realize you made that record, did you be like, Oh fuck? Like, what do we do now? Like, we just, <laughs> <The> follow up. <laughs> how do we follow that up? Like, I, that oh, would be the God. biggest thing, like to follow up something like, Oh, and it's like the worst too, because like that, that, that plagues me. Even every time you do a record, you're like, it has to be better than the last oh, one. Oh, you're God. like, fuck, oh. how am I going to do this? Even if, oh, 
Like, how am I going to dump my entire life back into another record? Like, I just did Because it does. It takes your whole being. Like, you just have to, like, allow yourself to be completely absorbed. And everything else around you is falling apart while it's happening. Like, you're, you're creating this record that's, like, the most you know, amazing thing you've ever done and your whole world is in it. And like your whole life is falling apart around you. Like the bills are getting paid. Like piles of dishes are piling up. The house looks like shit. Everything is horrible and falling apart. And yet you just created this masterpiece and now you've got to do it again. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I did with this last record. I didn't write a record for a long time. Like I got so busy gigging that I just didn't have time to like, I was bent by the time I wanted to sit down and write, I just didn't have it in me. And then I had a daughter and then I went through a fucking divorce and, and, yeah. and it was like everything, had a lot of it stuff was, happened. there was a lot of shit that happened. But then when I finally yeah. made this last record and I did it all on my own and I yeah. released it and I was just like, you know what? I don't even give a fuck if anyone buys this record. I needed to, I needed to do this record. I did this you record for it. myself. And that was the first time yep. I think in my entire career that I did a record that was completely for myself. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And so therapeutic. Like I, I, to this day, I think my first record was my therapy record because I was angry. I was mad, dude. I came here with all these like, and I I was willing to pull my weight and do whatever, but I was just getting shit on by everybody that was supposed to have my back. Like the people closest to me were like the ones going around behind me. Like, you know, Oh, thanks for, thanks for, you know, blowing some smoke up a skirt. Now we're going to, over here and try to discourage her from doing that and i'm just like why were these people working so hard against me and then you know to my face going like oh yeah you know we support you whatever you want to do like like we we totally got your back and then they just you know i was angry god i was mad i was freaking furious that first record and i was completely devastated on my second because the realization that uh, i finally figured out why i wasn't getting what i needed it was because the people I held closest to me were, were sabotaging it. And I, and I was crushed and I and devastated. So my second record was maybe more my therapy record. Cause I just had to lay down and let the truck roll over me, like and get up after it was gone. Like it was, that was horrible. And, and so I, yeah, that record was probably the first one that I wrote that I needed. So I needed to write it. Are, are you ready to like, you still, I mean, we've already talked about this, but you know that your best work's still in you, right? Like it's still waiting to come out. Like, Oh, totally. Like every time that I, I write a record, I'm like, did I write that? Shit, man. That's sort of like most like poetic, insightful stuff. And, and, and every time we write a record, like I, I write something that I can't believe I wrote, you know? comes from like the most pure place um during the seven album when we ju- the one i just finished which is um and i just put out one album of the year for josie music awards last year 
and I, I did this song on there. Um, and uh, well, I, I wrote a couple of songs that didn't make it on the record. One of them being called, it was called Hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to have this writing appointment and it got all messed up, you know, blah, 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 a bunch of crap happened and I, I couldn't get there or couldn't make it work. But um, ended up like by weird chance, I, I ended up getting to cross paths and write but without one of the per- people that was orchestrating it. So I was able to like make the appointment happen, but not traditionally how we planned on it with all of us getting together. Right. So after they found out that that happened, they were very angry at me and they said some of the most painful messages my way. I just remember my phone like going out. Cause I told them, I was like, Hey, I, I just ran across this person at this place and they had some time and we sat down and worked out some, a song because we knew that we were planning on writing together. We couldn't all get together, but I just by chance ran into them on this, you know, at this place and I was going to write with them and they were so mad and they were so mean. And the messages that they sent me were like the most painful, brutal, horrible things. And I couldn't believe that somebody that's working with me on this project would write those things, you know, that, that, and, and no, deep down in your soul that they really meant them. You know, they meant that. And I was like shaking. Like I was so freaked out by it because I'm, I'm in the middle of this record and I'm working with them. And I'm just like, this is what they think about me. <laughs> and I was like, it, it crushed me so bad. And I wrote this song hurt and it was just from the most pure. I'm going to go painful listen. I gotta listen to that now. I love I don't, it's not, You can't even find it. I'll have to send it to you. I was going to say, it's not even out there. I haven't released it. I'm like, wait a minute. You got to just send it to me. What do you mean it's not out there? I know it's not out there, but you got to fucking send it to me. (laughs) It's not released, but but it's crazy. And then, you know, I just got a, I just got um, an opportunity from this girl who's writing basically a life story. And her story is, oh, like you think that you're, you know, the weirdest things in your life that have happened. This girl is like a vortex of craziness. Like the, all this stuff happened to her in her childhood. And like, she tells, she, I read the script. It was like 300 pages of like the most intense thing I've ever read. And, uh, she has somehow come out of this, like standing strong in complete control of her life. Everything is working out for her just the way she wanted it. And, you know, you know, she had to overcome three obstacles and she was looking for music for this soundtrack because they are going to do a limited series on this, woman's story and I pitched her that song and she was like wow yeah I definitely want to hear this song so I'm hoping that it gets out there in a way that you know maybe will be bigger than what I could do on my own yeah I mean that's I'm definitely going to send it to you yeah and there's all we're all always just one song away that's all it is it could be one fucking song and then next thing you know things could rapidly change or just and I always feel like it's going to be a song I write for somebody else. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. Or it's going to be a song that like, it's like you wrote it without like, it's like some goofy thing that you wrote, right? Like, oh, this was fun. Oh to my write. God. And then, right. And then all of a sudden, how, like, how horrible would it be to be known for like, <laughs> some of these songs out there, you're just like, shit, like, I would hate it if like, that was my hit yeah. and I had to sing this, you know? I mean, Warren, oh, Warren oh, had oh, a bunch of hits, but like that Cherry Pie was the one. Cherry that, Pie. And Janie hated that fucking song. Oh, I like, know he hated yeah, it. I mean, to the point where I think it probably, I mean, he had a lot of demons 
from what I know. I mean, I obviously don't know Janie, but he had a lot of demons anyways. Yeah. But that that really fucked with him. He used to fucking get very upset when it was talked about with that song because that was the that was the example of like well, you just wrote a goofy song because they're like, you need yeah. to write one more song for this record. And he went home. And he's like, all right, I'll just write this, think it'll fill it out. And next thing you know, that was the tune. It's like, oh, oh shit. how frustrating. I mean, it'd be, somebody- it'd be, but it'd be frustrating. But at the same time, like me at this point with the perspective I have, like, cool, let's buy a house. Yeah, cool. <laughs> let's buy this house. Yeah. You know? I'll be disgusted all the way to the bank when I cash this check. (laughs) Oh man. It's been, it's been so good to chat with you. I will, obviously I have a link to all your socials and and everything. It'll be up in inside of all this. And, and obviously you and I are going to be talking. I mean, shit, we, we, talk about goofy shit almost every day so you know i know uh but I, it's been a pleasure, man. pleasure to have pleasure to have you on and I, I my goal is to get down to nashville at some point to visit please and, come visit because i got so many other friends that are down there and now the now the twitch is kind of might allow me to be able to go and travel a little bit more like on a good level and then go be able to play shows because they're fun yeah you know? so, it is fun and that's you know you gotta kind of you gotta stay even you gotta do both because one without the other just wouldn't be. Nope, nope, I'm, not, I'm not built that way. So we'll see what happens. No. But tell the husband I said hello and I uh, appreciate your time, girl. I will. I'm going to go irritate him with this uh, Counting Crows album. <laughs> go do it. All right. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, All right. Joe. All right. Bye. That's why I love talking to musicians. Like, yeah, I mean, sometimes we. If you listen to these podcasts, there's a lot of a very common theme, whether I'm talking to someone like Jasmine or my last week's guest, uh, Christian. uh, Yeah, there's some things that kind of all run parallel. You might hear me say some of the same things uh, a few times over, but everybody's everybody's journey is really different. And Jasmine's has been really interesting, you know, and you just hear in her voice, man, how passionate she is. And like, what an intelligent woman she is one of an intelligent human being. She is to be able to like have the foresight to become a businesswoman way before she really understood like what the fuck she was doing. Like I, I and she honestly, and I'm not speaking, I'm just speaking from what I've gotten to know with her in the conversation that we just had. She may have not even known how much she was actually learning in those early days of her career, uh, but that's propped her up for the success and to be able to have this like, um, autonomy and control over your art. Uh, because too many times we see, uh, you know, artists just get taken advantage of because they don't have control of their art and they sign away the control of their art. And the next thing you know, like someone else is literally driving a Lamborghini and living the lavish life because of your fucking art and you're struggling. You know, that's, that's not fair. And she saw that, you know, and that's an amazing thing. And she, you know, check out all of her stuff. I mean, she's all over the place, usually around the East coast. Uh, and, and, and she's just, she's a, she's just a fun girl. She's a fun girl. I can't wait to actually hang out with her in person. I think the world will probably implode, especially with her, her badass husband too. And the people that we all know together, it's going to be fun. So, um, I don't know who's next week's yes going to be. I kind of want to see if I can find someone in the supernatural. I want to get a little crazy next week. Again, I'm still uh, developing the, the other podcast, which will launch in a few months. I'm going to take my time with that one. So keep an eye out for that. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep putting these episodes out as well. Uh, and I'm going to be looking hardcore for sponsors pretty soon for both of these uh, podcasts and for everything that I do on social medias and my Twitch and everything else, uh, because it's things like that are going to help keep the bills 
uh, paid and keep the lights on and keep me being able to do this podcast uh, because there are some a lot of people involved. Again, shout out to my producer, Cody Mack, uh, to the executive producer, uh, Josh Grosman. I don't even know if he knows that he is the executive producer, but he is, you know. I got a great team and I want to keep building that. So it's going to be up to you guys and gals for you guys to listen. Thank you for you gals to listen. Thank you for everybody who listens. Thank you. I'll see you next week on the just Joe podcast. Peace out. Yeah! Yeah!